Hey there and welcome to the Build Your Good Life show. My name is Pablo Willis. This show is all about how to build yourself a life of freedom, a life of wealth, and a life of impact. I'm here with my co-host and compadre, Maddie Buckets May, and together we run three very real businesses in the construction and real estate development space. And because of the money and time that those create, you'll never hear ads on this show. But that doesn't mean the podcast is free. Our simple price is this. If you feel like you got value from listening to one of our episodes, please recommend it to a friend so they can start the journey towards living their good life. And together, we can all work towards having a lasting impact on the world around us. Now today, um, we're going to be chatting about one of our favorite subjects, which is which is real estate and how you get involved in real estate. Now, if you don't understand the fundamentals that make real estate a great investment, you can always jump on our YouTube channel at Build Your Good Life um, to learn a bit, little bit more about it. But if you, like us, are, are sold on on real estate, um, the, the next question becomes how you get involved. And today's all about that. How, what are the different ways you can get involved in real estate um, and the amazing outcomes and freedoms that it delivers? Um, I remember starting out in life and wondering how the hell people got into real estate in the first place. Seemed super expensive and pretty unachievable. Um, I know when I was first looking at it, Matt, I, I don't know what your first thoughts, like pre-learning anything about it, seemed like something that rich people owned and, and we would never, never do. Totally. It's almost like a fallacy, like this uh, fantasy realm of life, you could say. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the fantasy world that the rich and famous lived in, right? Yeah, it's, totally. It's, it's very true. Um, and it took a while understanding like all the different ways that you can get involved and, and the different kind of pieces you can bring to the table. I remember, uh, I remember I flipped a house when I was 19. Um, and, uh, I made $0 on it. Uh, the, the guy funding the money made some, made some money, but there was no, there was no winning that happened on my side, but I had there, to pay your dues. eh? <laughs> and it wasn't fun. The worst part was I lived in the house when I flipped it. <laughs> <laughs> which I do not recommend to anybody. It was a fucking nightmare. And thank God I did not have a girlfriend at the time because that would have ended. But uh, You would have been broken uh, single? <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> broken single, yes. Well, I was still broken single, but at least there wasn't an angry <laughs> angry person yelling at me the whole time. So <laughs> anyways, but um, but guys, today, uh, Maddie and I want to break this subject down. I think it really breaks down into two subjects, um, two two major places you can play in the real estate world. And one of them is active real estate investing and the other is passive real estate investing. Um, and we're going to, I guess it makes most sense just to kind of jump into this, eh, Maddie, and we'll kind of go through in the active roles. Yeah, we'll jump through each one of them kind of at a high level. We won't dive in too deeply, but just to give you a, a good understanding of what each role entails. Yeah, and then maybe, you know, you know, if you guys have questions later on, you can always hit us up and we can try to get more involved and, you know, maybe in future episodes, we can dive more deeply into each piece of this. But today, really just really broad strokes and something piques your interest, you know, maybe you can have a little bit more of an understanding of what, which way you want to go. So the first role um, that we kind of see from an active role, and these are people that are doing work, um, is a financing partner. Um now, probably the most common financing partner you've you've seen is is um, probably one of two things: either a mortgage broker you've talked to to buy your own personal house, or you've gone to a bank and they've asked you a bunch of questions and you've given them, you know, every possible piece of information you own, and then they give you a mortgage. Um, and 
really that financing partner really just is there to help people fund fund deals. It's a critical uh, critical part of you know real estate investing in general. To anybody that uh, hasn't been involved with you know real estate, well, primary residence that's one thing, but uh, there's this kind of misconception about um, you know financing and, and you know how many mortgages somebody can get. Uh, I know banks have tightened down a lot in that regard recently over recent years, but, uh, but yeah, uh, until you go and talk to somebody that actually does this day in and day out, it, it, uh, it opens up a new world almost. Yeah. And I think, I think you'll, to become a really great financing partner, you actually have to think a lot more long-term. You know, when you go talk to the guy at the bank that you meet to go get your personal property, all he all he cares about, and probably all you care about at the time is just getting your one property. You know, you're like, oh, great, I can buy a house. You know, here's my life savings and 5% down. And, Absolutely. You know, and and that, that seems like an easy transaction. Now, really good financing partners actually help you structure for the future. You know, so, hey, you know, I don't have enough capital right now, let's say, but I, w- I want to own, you know, 50 rental properties. Well, there is a fuck ton of hurdles on the way to 50 rental properties and you have to, and the more you understand and structure that from the beginning to make sure you're doing things the right way all the way along that will allow you to get to that point with that long-term strategy. Um, If you don't think like that, you're going to run into major hurdles and probably setbacks along the way if you're not thinking that kind of long-term. And I think, I don't know, Matty, what your thoughts are, but- Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to add, um, you know, another- two cents on to the, the financing pieces, you know, people that, you know, may only have a primary residence. Um, what they don't realize is they can, you know, go get a HELOC with one by one of these, uh, mortgage brokers or, or financial institutions. And that's going to free up a bunch of capital that, you know, enables you to in, then go and invest that in real estate. But anyways, we're getting a little off topic yeah. here. Let's, but I, I mean, like, but, but I mean, that's basically advice from a, a good financing partner can give you, right? Is like you go to that good financing partner and they're not just thinking of now they're trying to, they're trying to get you the best return and set you up in the strongest position for the future. Now, 100%. now really what that takes is a deep understanding of the availability in the market of, you know, banks and private lenders and B lenders. And the economy it ties into that as well. A hundred percent. What 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 actually drives interest rates? You know, you, you need to be able to understand that, and what what the risk quotients these different lending institutions are seeing. And to become a good financing partner is very possible. People will come to you if you can give them great advice and you have a great understanding of what's happening. So, um, that's active role kind of number one is getting deals funded, and it's it's a huge opportunity. There's a big market there, um, and um, if you're if you're good at it, you will you will never have a hard time in life. If you can, if you can get this, you're getting access, access, you're giving people access to huge amounts of money. So, and yeah. And if you're good at one last point here, if you're good at your job and you're good at, uh, you know, you can basically, uh, provide to people creative ways of, of financing that, like I was saying before that they maybe didn't know about. Yeah. And you can open up doors to them that they thought were shut. They may, they may think, Oh, you know, I'm done here. And you can say, Hey, you're not done here. If you structured in this way, you can take your money in a a much longer direction if you do it right. So, um, you know, this is all about, this is all about knowing a a lot more about a certain field. So again, um, big role that can be done there uh, as a financing partner to real estate deals and you can get paid very well. Second role we have, um, is the deal finder role. And, um, this, 
this takes a lot of understanding of real estate as well. Um, you know, a lot of guys, when they first start out, they, uh, you know, they, they go and they think, oh, I'm just going to go find myself a real estate deal down the street. It's going to be great. I'm going to make a lot of money. Unfortunately, that is not, not the real world at all. Um, yeah, absolutely not. So, <laughs> you know, there, there's actually uh, multiple things that go into finding deals and, and determining the right market is, is just one piece of that. Yeah. I mean, market determination is huge. Um, like anybody can go and say, Oh, I found a duplex in this town that's in the middle of nowhere that nobody knows about. Well, how good of an investment is that? Exactly. Like if you don't understand the fundamentals and the math behind it, um, you know, you're, you're not really doing anything. Same thing with a market that might appear great. It's like, you know, we're, we're from Toronto and, you know, looking at a duplex downtown Toronto, if you don't understand the numbers and you're just betting on Toronto increasing in value, you might be making a terrible investment. It could be a horrible deal, even though everybody's been like, oh yeah, we're making tons of money here in Toronto. It could still be a bad deal with bad fundamentals. So um, now what we find interesting about finding good deals and, and deals that we've found in the past is that you got to think a little bit outside the box. You know, every once in a while, you can find a deal on MLS. But let's talk about MLS first. I mean, MLS is the Canadian kind of real estate searching website where all real realtors put their deals up. But the only problem with it is that when they put their deals up, everybody else can see those deals too. So usually you have to act very quickly or you have to be able to bring value to a deal that no one else sees to be effective at real estate deals on MLS. 100%. And for the most part, uh, like real estate investment deals, like other, we're talking other than, you know, primary residents, um, you know, MLS, that's where real estate investment deals go to die. <laughs> I, love, I love that quote, really, it, where they go to die. And it's true because so many people look to them. Most real estate agents actually have investors that work with them. They'll probably pre-send pre those deals to them as before MLS. Um, but there are some very interesting ways to make money with sweat equity in deal finding. Um, you know, you can you can use some really cool strategies to find deals that are not off on the market. You know, one of the ones that we use here is that we'll actually go into towns, planning departments, and we'll sit down with the the senior planners and we'll get them to walk through um, what their plans are for the town over the next five years, 10 years, 15 years, and what they're excited about, what they see. And oftentimes those planners will open up the entire township of development that's coming, development that's stalled, pieces of land they'd like to see something happen, stuff they hate, stuff they love. And the interesting thing off that is that it can help you identify all the land that they would love to see developed in a certain way. Now, that land you can then go pull title on and you can actually get in contact with the owners of that land. And, and that, that will then get you, you know, access to a discussion with somebody off an off-market deal. And enough of those discussions will lead to results if you know what you're talking about. But again, it requires building relationships and requires time and sweat equity to do. Um, 100%. Um, one last point here that I have regarding... Uh deal finding is you also need to know what makes up a good deal. Like you have to do an analysis. What do the numbers look like? And usually that's something that you don't dive too deeply on, but you got to have a pretty good understanding of what you're looking for and what makes a good deal. Yeah. And if you have investors with trying different strategies, I mean, if look, if you bring, if you bring guys, long-term hold deals <laughs> that are interested in long-term hold deals, a flip deal, they're going to tell you get lost, but other guys may want to just do a flip deal. 
Um, so you have to understand who your who your customers are and be able to understand what they're looking for in order for those deals to be good. Or again, you can waste waste a lot of time. I've also heard some funny strategies like, you know, uh, if you're looking for apartment buildings, you can pay postmen. You can give them a Tim Tim Hortons card and um, and just renew their coffee card and say, hey, when you find me a good uh, a good building that looks decrepit that you're dropping stuff off, send it through to me and I'll and I'll uh, one up your Tim Hortons card and they can send you deals that way. Um, there's lots of ways to do this, but often finding deals is pretty grassroots. Um, it, it takes relationship building and it takes time and it takes knowledge. But again, you can make yourself good money finding deals and connecting with guys that, that want to get those deals done that haven't found those. So um, no excuses on not having money to not get involved in real estate. But um, definitely, again, takes time. Number three, capital raiser. Um, this one's very interesting. I think... I think um, my background was was not super wealthy, but uh, you know, I think I had some serious issues um, thinking that there was no money available in the world. Um, and Matt, I don't know what your thoughts there are, but it, it, you know, it's something that seems to hold a lot of people back, thinking that there's not enough money in the world and money's the hardest thing to get. It's definitely not. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's a total mental block, and um, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think what I find interesting about capital raisers is they're a very interesting type of person because capital raisers have to be massive people, 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 persons, persons, people, people, people. I don't know. I fucked that <laughs> up. Um, but what they what they have to be is that people. When you're raising capital, you have to actually care more about the person's success um, that's lending you the capital than that person actually does. So when you're getting capital off somebody. You need to care more about their success than they do. And what that will do is it'll put you in a position of doing the due diligence to make sure that person is going to be effective. And if you become that person, you're going to have a very long career in capital raising. If you don't truly care about their money, your career is going to be very, very short because they're going to do one deal with you, realize that you were just in it for yourself, and they're going to be going to be completely gone, especially if anything goes sideways. Um, now... You also have to be able to understand people because you might run into people that want to lend you money that are a terrible fit for you as a long-term partner. And I think, I think that's really important, man. Real estate's long-term partnerships, man. Like if you. Absolutely. You don't want to get involved with the wrong person. You got to be, you got to be on the same level. Totally. You have to, at the end of the day, you have to want the same thing. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just watched that movie, The Irishman um, last week. It's like you wouldn't want to be partners with the with those boys, man. End up in the uh, Chicago River, like and <laughs> sipping that. I mean, that's extreme example, but I'm just telling you, like even somebody that uh, you know just be calling you every day without the understanding. I think that leads to the next thing. If you're a capital raiser, in order for somebody to be a good capital partner for you, you need to be able to educate that person, which means on what you're doing and what your long term plans on, and give a lot of clarity there. Because without that, you're going to run into a lot of issues with them constantly second guessing you over time and yeah, you're basically selling yourself and you have to build a rapport with that person and, and build some trust there as well that's a big part yeah i think i think rapport and trust are huge and i think a lot of times rapport and trust actually come from teaching people complicated things in simple ways because if you can teach complicated um ideas in a simple ways it means you actually know what you're talking about and that'll build a lot of trust with with people that you're trying to raise capital from um and and then i think lastly here and this is a big one we talked about it last week a little bit but 
um, is helping people overcome fear and indecision. And I think that comes down to education and trust and rapport like you were talking about, Matt. But, you know, I think the biggest thing holding most people back is fear and indecision. It, it's not like not having the money. There's lots of people with lots of money sitting in the account or unused equity like we were talking about before in their houses that just need to, to be able to overcome their fear and indecision. And a, and a lot of that fear and indecision comes from, and again, we talked about it a little bit last week, is, is I think the main point is a lack of understanding. Totally, 100% agree. It's like the main thing you have to do as a capital raiser is educate people. Educate them and and build that trust. So um, guys, that's a capital raiser. Believe me, there's, if you truly know what you're doing, raising capital is never, never going to be your issue. If you don't know what you're doing, people are going to tell you to go fuck yourself 100% of the time. So um, so again, but another place you can be very, very effective um, in that capital raise role. The fourth active role, property management property management. I think this one gets kind of a bad stigma. Um, I think there's a lot of fear and misunderstanding here, Matt. I'm not going to lie, man. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, well, it's, it's, uh, definitely not a glamorous role. I'll say that (laughs) dealing with tenants. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of misconceptions out there. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, if you provide great customer service and you have, uh, you know, great places, um, for tenants to live and, uh, um, yeah, you're, you're fundamentally going to be okay yeah. off, off that stuff. But yeah. I think, and I think finding that like on great places and great places for people to stay, Matt, I think, um, property manager at the end of the day is really a steward between two people. You, you're really looking out for renters and making sure they're going to be successful as well as looking out for investors and owners and making sure they're going to be successful. And totally. a lot of your job is to act and give advice in a way that allows both those parties to get the, the best things out of that relationship. If you put the wrong tenant in the wrong building with the wrong landlord, your life is going to be a fucking living hell as a property manager. 100%. If you, if you put the right tenant in the right building with the right owner, your life is going to be a beautiful thing. But like, you need to be able to understand and qualify that. And that comes to an understanding of people. Um, yeah, and that's, that's just one, one part of it. Like, uh, the other part is uh, anybody can just take you know, post ads and take tenants and put them in properties. But, you know, that can lead to a lot of, you know, uncomfortable situations and problems. If you're not vetting the tenants and the people that, uh, you know, you want to put in place uh, properly and not doing a thorough vet of each applicant, then, uh, you know, you're really setting yourself up. For uh, long-term problems. Man. Yeah, 100%. And it's it's not something that, that's very simple to do. You need to, there's a lot that goes into vetting a tenant and there's a whole podcast that could probably, or episode that could uh, go into that. Well, we should, we should do a vetting (laughs) a tenant podcast hundred percent. I think, you know, what's interesting, Matt, is I think when we first started in real estate, our whole idea is to charge as much money as possible for your units. Like let's just maximize the cash flow out of these things. You quickly learn that actually like just charging as much as you possibly could actually leads to high turnover. And I think what actually happens there is that you're actually renting to people that can't really afford the the rent, but they don't have the financial education as tenants to understand that. So they get involved in the rent because they're really excited about the place. And then they get the rent, and they live there for four months, and they're like, fuck me, I can't actually afford this. This is a really nice place, but it's way too expensive. Yeah. And you're gonna get high turnover. High turnover is gonna lead to high costs for your for your for your owners as they go. So that's the biggest killer in any real estate investment. Yeah, is that turnover. So I think you also have to be able to vet your tenants and give them really good financial advice. Like, 
you know, what, how much can these people actually afford? Have those conversations with them, make sure they're the right fit. Um, and then also with your owners, you know, like you got to make sure that they understand the same things. They understand those fundamentals of turnovers as they go. Um, and the last thing I think pooling tenants, um, you know, like if you put, if you put a, you know, five students in the top of a duplex who are going to party hard and stay up late and then put a retired couple in the bottom of the duplex, I promise you, you're going to be getting a lot of phone calls and 100%. your life's going to fucking suck as a property manager. So be fucking smart. Pool people together that can live well together in, in, in your kind of multi-unit stuff that you're doing. Um, and then the other thing is communicating, educating everyone the rights and responsibilities they have. But, uh, you know, again, a lot goes into being a good property manager. Again, you can get into this with very little money, sweat equity, but it takes a lot of understanding to truly do, do a good job at it. Um, and, and you need to be able to help people do their jobs better than they, they could on their own. Um, 100%. Not to mention, uh, you know, business skills that go along with property management. It's a business. You have to know how to run a business. Why does money matter in businesses? <laughs> <laughs> you have to know what accounting is? A hundred percent. Listen to Matt. I mean, any business is going to take a lot of factors. There's marketing, you know, accounting, all, all those pieces that go into it. But, uh, you know, the big, big pieces to learn. Um, active rule number five, construction management. Um, this is a huge one. This is where Matt and I originally come from, obviously. Um, um, and this was, this was our life for a long time before we were actually involved in the, the real estate investment stuff. But, um, great construction is, is complicated. I think great construction is really all about, um, doing effective due diligence on projects that you're undertaking so that you can set up everybody in that project for success. And I think that's where most of it breaks down. And guys, this is the super simple version of this. Um, and in order to set up everybody for success, you have to know almost more about their jobs than they do. Um, 100%. And, and another part of that is you basically have to look and search for problems so you can provide certainty to all the stakeholders in the const any given construction project. Which is a massive undertaking. Yes. Sounds um, simple, but definitely a lot of work. I mean, our due diligence binders are hundreds of pages, guys, now, which sounds tiring to me just thinking about how much went into those but hundreds a lot of, of pages a lot of pain and suffering and 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 money out the window that <laughs> went into that binder as well what are you talking about man we were always perfect <laughs> <laughs> no guys it's it's definitely a huge one and then and then it, you know continued due diligence along the construction processes there i mean again this is another podcast on its own is just construction management but when you're basically any really good real estate deal, you're either building it or renovating it. Very, very rarely are you going to walk into a perfect deal, buy it, and just sit there. Happens once in a while, but I don't, I don't read tons of real estate books of guys saying buy the perfect investment property and then sit on it for twenty years, and that's all it took. I mean, Matt, you, have you read a single book like that? No, I've never heard that piece of advice ever. So, um, if you're a pension fund, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the way to go. But. Uh, to most guys we know, or to you guys listening, I doubt that uh, that's what you're gonna gonna be doing at the beginning for success. Um, and then the last role, which is is really a you know a, a put together of all the rest of the roles, is is the managing partner. Um, and what managing partners do is they take all the rest of those active roles and they put them together in one team. They make it one piece, and that, that's what that's what Matt and I do around here. That's what our company does, and and it does. It has to 
has to execute all the rest of the roles that we just talked about in one situation. And then it has to add a couple of interesting pieces. As a managing partner, it is your job to understand economic drivers. It's your job to understand where the market is going um, and also to build out long-term strategies. And the reason this is important is when you own real estate, the market has an effect on your investment and you need to be able to have a strategy that lets you win long-term. And in that long-term strategy, there's going to be points when you need to refinance, points when you need to sell, um, and, and points when you need to be able to move from deal to deal. And all those things need to happen on on certain drivers along an an economic curve. And as a managing partner, a big part of your job is to watch watch that curve and say, hey, this is what's happening. This is what we need to do to execute our plan long-term. Real estate is not a one-year bang-bang plan. It's a a long-term thing if you're going to go for true success on it. So 100%. Um, I, I think that's a big, and there's a lot of, of responsibility that comes along with being a managing partner for obvious reasons. Like you're dealing with, uh, people's, you know, money, hard earned money. And, uh, there's a lot of responsibility that comes along with that. So we take that very seriously. And, uh, that's why we perform the level of due diligence that we do around here. Yeah. I mean, and Anybody that comes in here without a deep understanding of like, oh, I've been doing this for six months. We're going to kill it. Like, I, I highly doubt that. This takes a long time to learn. You need to have a deep understanding of fundamentals to make this go. Um, I mean, how long have we been doing involved in real estate and construction in general? I mean, it's been our whole lives. I mean, I flipped my first house when I was 19. You've been building shit since you were fucking came out of the womb, right? So, I mean, it's, it's been a long, long time. 10, 10 to 15 years probably for both of us, I would say. Totally. Yeah. It's, it, this is not a this is not a quick this is not a quick thing to do to get to this point and understand this and and we don't pretend to understand anything by the way guys this takes a constant constant we failed a lot yeah we failed a, <laughs> a fucking lot, lot. <laughs> a lot and it takes a constant constant learning to keep up with it things change as you're going on um things things are moving so um um and also like just leadership managing partner man you you have to be able to lead a team of people that are doing this this is not the other thing too is you don't do this off uh off a napkin here like there are serious systems that are that are built into being a managing partner there's too many moving parts for you to do this effectively unless you have systems built out to do this so um you know as an active role this is kind of the the top of the heap here as the managing partner but it's also the piece with the most responsibility and it's also the piece that requires the deepest understanding and the most systems built to do effectively so Again, uh, a great place to be, but it, it takes a lot of responsibility, years of understanding and, and, and experience and, and all experiences is just a bunch of fucking failure that you push through. So let's be clear about that as well, <laughs> uh, what that looks like. And don't worry, guys, if this sounds like a lot of responsibility and something you're not interested, I totally understand. We have lots of people that, that uh, aren't interested in doing that level of it. And that's where we move to our next subject, which is really passive investing. Hey, Maddie. Um, and passive investing is where you don't invest the effort or sweat equity, but instead assets that get you a place in a deal um, that's actively run by someone else. Someone like you know us, us being managing partners or you put together a team, however that works, but it's, it's run by someone else, but you're helping them using your assets. Well, there's something, I just want to add a point here. There's something that... Um, is, is talked about quite a bit in the real estate uh, realm, and that is highest and best use. 
but there's a thing called time, high and best, highest and best use of your time. Because which is, which is huge. Yeah. Being an active in, investor is very time intensive. And obviously the knowledge we just talked about that goes along with that. If, if you have a well-paying job, you know, and you're a busy professional, it might make more sense to be a passive investor. Yeah. It might not make a lot of sense to shut that down for 10 <laughs> years and learn real estate, you know, like and it, do make a bunch of failures and then, <laughs> yeah, go through that whole pain process. Yes. Yeah, your family might not be too happy with you about that, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think highest and best use of time is huge. I mean, we have lots of guys who are passive investors with us that are just absolute killers in other situations, but, um, yeah, like, look, if you, if you have a full-time job, a ton of responsibility and stuff, you do well at what you do, um, active investing can be the last thing you want to do. You just want to go home and try to get four hours of sleep from your kids crying. You know what I mean? So um, su super important to understand that. But uh, first role that kind of everybody knows in passive investing is the capital investor. Um, and this is, this is guys who um, use their money to secure them um, a percentage return in a deal and they, they put that money into a deal and then allow, allow someone else to manage, do all the work that we mentioned in the active roles and then, and then get a return on their money. And they often do extremely well on, on that cash. Um, these guys are often busy people, successful careers, but also people that want the stability and generational wealth that real estate can create, that their careers will end you know you say you're a doctor when you when you stop being a doctor that high high return on 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 your hourly rate kind of ends and a lot of capital investors want to take the time of turning their high incomes that they have right now or savings that they have right now and making sure that that never ends and that's what real estate does it creates that generational wealth and and that's where they use their capital to make that happen so um, it's transitioning from kind of income wealth into generational wealth which is what real estate helps with um, rule number two, co-signers. This is an interesting role, actually. Not, I don't think a lot of people talk about this, Maddie. Yeah, definitely not. Like, definitely this is kind not. of a strange thing you may not have heard about, except if your dad signed your mortgage. I mean, my dad signed my first mortgage. He was, he was doing this. Like, I guess he was a co-signer investor in real estate. Um, but if a co-signer, all they are is somebody that's not putting money into a deal, but what they are doing is putting their personal guarantee to allow the financing on a deal to happen. And they earn a stake in the property. Yeah, so they earn a stake in the property by providing that personal guarantee, which allows the financing to happen. So if you have great credit and, and a high net worth, you could possibly be a personal guarantee to somebody with capital that can't get any more mortgages. You could go in and become their partner just by signing on the dotted line, their money, different active, you can be have a uh, managing partner involved and you could take five, 10 points. I, I mean, I don't know what you can take. Maybe 10 points is a little much on that, but uh, you know, you could take some percentage for guaranteeing this thing on the whole deal using no other thing other than a pen to paper, which is an interesting, yeah. an interesting place to be, man. Um, interesting. And uh, again, being that co-signer, you, you got to have some net worth and you have to have good credit and, um, and you know, but, it, but it's a possibility. Last passive role, which is a really interesting role is the mortgage lender. So, um, the capital investor puts in the capital that stays in the deal. The mortgage lender actually lends on the loan. So they would actually lend to, you know, we talked about an active real estate investing, the financing partner. Well, they would actually lend the money to the financing partner to finance the deals. They can do this in a whole bunch of ways. They can, you know, you can invest in REITs, 
um, which is basically, you know, lending money to REITs um, for them to do stuff. You can you can lend private mortgages or construction loans, which can have a pretty solid returns. You can lend. Yep. And the nice part is it doesn't always take a ton of money. Some guys some guys just need like, hey, I just need 40 grand in, in private f- financing or I just need 60 grand in private financing. You don't necessarily need a million bucks here um, to make something like that happen. And you can even put your money together with two or three other people that want to do it. So 100%. One of our um, investors is actually heavy in into the uh, private mortgage lending. And that's a big part of, you know, where he gets his, re- his returns from. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is like even if you're saving up for more capital for the next deal. So say you have forty thousand dollars, but you need two hundred thousand dollars to do your next deal. You can while you're saving up that next two hundred thousand dollars, you can have your forty thousand dollars out working for you in these kind of mortgage lend lend pieces, um, which allows you kind of that liquidity investment as you're saving up for your next piece of property. So this is, this is a really really effective way to keep your money involved in real estate and keep keep making money, guys. So. Um, so I know, I know that's a lot, um, you know, financing partner, deal finders, um, capital raisers, property managers, construction management, managing partners, um, capital investors, co-signers, mortgage lenders. There is a ton of routes and I would say zero excuses if, if you want to get involved in real estate. Um, now, if you have any questions about any of those things or, or you know, you want to talk a little bit more, let us know. We're more than glad to... Um, answer any questions on there. Um, Cause I think really at the end of the day, active versus passive investing really comes down to the same, same fundamentals, which most things in life really come down to as well. Eh? Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's three, three things you gotta have, you gotta have time. Um, you need to put in, you need to put in the time <laughs> um, and you have to have time to actually do something now. And then experience and all experiences really is just, pushing through a bunch of failure and getting to success on the other side. I think that's all, all experience really is, is, is overcoming failures. Yeah. And, and, uh, and knowledge is the last, the last thing, but those three components make up active investing. Like without, without those, you cannot be an active investor. Or yeah, you'll fail very quickly being an active investor and no one will partner with you. A hundred percent. So, you know, you can, you can get to that level, but you're going to have to begin, you know, as a passive investor. At the very bottom, digging fucking ditches, which is what fucking I did. Don't do it. Don't dig ditches. They call that paying their, du- paying their dues, right? Paying their dues, man. Paying their dues. And and you know what, guys? The the nice thing is, is you can do this, all this stuff for very cheap. Knowledge is cheap. Go read some fucking books. You have, if you have time right now, you can use that time to read books. You can use that time to work for somebody else to gain experience on their dollar. It's, it's, it's really, there's a safe way to do this, but it, it, it Becoming a good active investor will take those three things. On the other side of that thing, though, being a passive investor, I think actually takes the same things. So it it takes time, experience, and, and knowledge. If, say, you want to become a doctor, it takes time, experience, and knowledge to become a doctor. <laughs> um, totally. The yeah. thing is, once you're a doctor and you're earning some cash, it may not be the highest and best use of your time to stop being a doctor and go back and spend 10 years becoming an active real estate investor. <laughs> yes. um, and I think that's something that we really want you guys to understand. Um, you know, a lot of our passive investors um, are very good at what they do. And a lot of active people that we work with are very good at what they do. All of them have put in a ton of time, acquired a ton of knowledge and acquired a ton of experience. And that's what makes them successful at what they do. So there's no getting away from those fundamentals of, of what you need to do. 
There's, uh, there's no free rides, just, just different routes to get there. But I think almost anybody can get there if they want to. You just got to figure out what route you like. And if you're figuring that out, spend some time and, and kind of look through that. And at the end of the day, we're all working towards that same thing, Maddie, which is? Financial freedom. Financial freedom, baby. Yeah, Build man. that good life, man. There's no free rides. No free rides. But at the end of the day, you can get yourself to financial freedom. There's also no excuses there. So um, financial freedom allows you to get that, you know, live your best life, which is what we're all about here. Um, guys, if you have any questions on any of this stuff, we are more than glad to, to work with you, point you in the direction of books, podcasts. If we can answer your question, we will. Um, any questions on real estate, shoot us an email. Yeah. I mean, Honestly, probably the best. Go to our Instagram. It's called Build Your Good Life is our handle. Again, that's Build Your Good Life on Instagram. Shoot us a DM on there. A direct message for those of you who have never used social media. Matt. Uh, like Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Matt doesn't know what Instagram is. Um, but uh, but yeah, shoot us a message. We'd be more than glad to answer anything out there. And like always, um, you know, like we always say, go out there. And keep building your look. For, uh, keep building. Fuck me. Go out there and keep building your good life. Exactly, Maddie. Thanks for that. On that note, take care, guys. We look forward to seeing you next week. Bye now.